I'm going to come down here, if that's okay. It just saves me tripping over wires and falling and distracting from all this stuff. So we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different with our message this morning in that uh, it, we're going to, Shel- Pastor Sheldon and I are going to team preach uh, together on this topic. Uh, so I'm going to start things out and introduce it. We're going to get you involved a little bit in talking about it. And then the two of us will be up here and we'll, we'll share on a couple of these things. Kind of reminded me, um, well, no, not at all, actually. But I, just <laughs> I was thinking of an occurrence where I was doing a funeral one time. And I preached the message. And then there was a time of sharing after, just sort of open mic sharing after the, the message was over. And uh, so it was open invitation to whoever wanted to do, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Whoever wanted to take their microphone and speak uh, could speak. And so there was another pastor, a retired pastor in the crowd. And so he came up quite eagerly, and he, after I had already preached and the service was already over, he preached another message, kind of in opposition to my message in a, in a sense, since it was very uncomfortable. Uh, I had one of the guests come to me afterwards and says, this is the first funeral I've ever been to where there's been dueling preachers. So I thought that was an interesting comment. We're not going to do that. It's not going to be dueling preachers this morning. We're going to talk about... Uh, God is uh, the agent, by his spirit, is the agent of change. And so two weeks ago, we uh, touched on the, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. And uh, we talked about what is the heart of the problem in terms of this, uh, this change that needs to happen in you and I. Where does the problem lie? And uh, the, the big idea of that was the heart of the problem is you have a problem with your heart. God needs to do a new work in our hearts. So... We're not talking about, when we talk about change here, we're not just talking about superficial change. We're talking about something much deeper than that. We need an inside job. God, by his spirit, changes our hearts. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit, and he puts his spirit in us. So that was two weeks ago. Last week we talked about, uh, from Joel chapter 2, the fact that uh, God is actually very willing and eager to do this new work in our lives. And uh, he will do this for any of his, any and all of his children, without discrimination. And in fact, we, the, the bottom line with that is that if there is a barrier, it's not on God's side, it's on our side. The barrier to the work of the Spirit in us. And so that passage, uh, the prophecy of Joel, says that the Spirit of God poured out is available to all. Young and old, rich and poor, men and women, he pours his Spirit out on us. And so we've just read the, the account of the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit poured out. And so in, familiar, in fulfillment of the Ezekiel passage, the Joel passage, and many other uh, passages in the Old Testament. So it was an extraordinary event, wasn't it? I mean, the, the, the believers were there together, uh, united. They were praying, seeking this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised. And then on that day of uh, Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages, which they themselves, as the speaker, did not understand, but which were understandable by those who were from all sorts of different nations, understood that they were declaring the glory of God in their own mother tongue, which is very important, right, to hear that in your heart language, uh, the glories of God. And then after that, Peter preaches this dynamic uh, message, and people are cut to the heart. And they ask, how can they be saved? And then on that day, it says that 3,000 of them were added to their number. And so the church is born by the work of the Holy Spirit and sent out on mission by that same 
Spirit. So a pretty extraordinary day, really. Uh, and so if you read the book of Acts, there are many extraordinary things that happen, but lots of ordinary stuff too. And so that particular day, as that particular day of Pentecost unfolded, wasn't repeated over and over again. Can you imagine if that happened every day for, from then on? You know, spirit poured out, gifts of flames of tongues of fire, you know, all speaking in tongues, 3,000 added to their number every day, day after day after day. I mean, that'd be great, but it would become very ordinary in a sense. The extraordinary becomes ordinary. And we wouldn't be doing this, what we're doing today, remembering the day of Pentecost, because it's just like any other day, right? Well, not really. So the events of that day weren't repeated, but at least exactly the way they were done that day, but the work of the Spirit is still happening today in the lives of his people. He still changes hearts. He still gives gifts to his people. So the point today, I'll put that up on the slide if you could, Amelia, is that the Spirit of God does extraordinary things using ordinary means. The Spirit of God does extraordinary things using ordinary means. So we want to explore this morning how God changes us so that we can live out a life that continues the story of Pentecost in the ordinary stuff of life. Now, when we talk about change in terms of what God does, God does the hard part. He changes hearts. He changes lives. He heals us. He gives us gifts. He does the hard part. But it's not as if we're just passive spectators in this process. We're very much involved. He wants us to be involved in that. So Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, you're going to hear this scripture a few times over the, this message. It says this, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we, we, talk, we started out a couple of weeks ago talking about how uh, for a lot of Christians, if they were honest, they'd say that in some ways the Christianity doesn't seem to be working for them. doesn't seem to be changing their lives. They've made some kind of commitment at one point or another at their life, and yet it doesn't seem to be touching the whole of their life. It, it seems to be restricted to one little area, and it's make, not, not making the difference in their life that they would desire, nor what God has promised to do. So today what we're going to talk about is how God works not only to change us, but to give us even the desire and the will to do what pleases him. So we talk a lot at Lakeside about making disciples. That that's what God has given us to do. That's what we're all about. So how do we define that? And here's one way that we could define it. Disciples are people who, will, who learn to be like Jesus and learn to do what Jesus could do. Learn to be like Jesus and learn to do what Jesus could do. But the question this morning, is that really possible? Is it really possible to be like Jesus? And what would that look like in your life? and in my life. And if that is what it means to be a disciple and that is what it means is that that is what God wants to do in us and through us, how does he do it? So I'll tell you some ways that uh, he doesn't necessarily do that. It's not just uh, more information. Some of us have been part of the church for a long time and we know quite a bit of stuff about the Bible, about Christianity. But that in itself doesn't necessarily change us. It's not about a 12-week course that you can take and say, okay, you know, I've, I've filled in the blanks, I've done the course, I've graduated from it, now I'm a disciple. It's not just about that. 
It's not a program. It's not a quick fix. It's not just for the elite of Christian Christians. It's for every one of us. So what I want to do is take two minutes, two to three minutes now. I'm going to ask you to turn to one or two people, a couple of people next to you or behind you, and I want you to answer this question, which is going to be up on the screen. Uh, and just give, uh, yeah, so here it is. What are the things that God most often has used in your life to change you? What are the things that God has most often used in your life to change you? And then we'll go on with the next part of our message. So you've got about two minutes to three minutes to do that. What are the ways that he, he changes us uh, into his image to become more like Jesus? So one of um, my mentors in the Christian faith, I'd never met him actually, but I'm, he mentored me in a sense through his books, is Dallas Willard. Which I've uh, probably quoted him a number of times over the years. He talked about something uh, called the golden triangle. That was his term for it. But talked about three ways that God works that uh, to change his people they all, you can't just pick one, right? You can't, I'm going to take this part of it and, and just focus on that. They all interact together. God, obviously, we put uh, the work of the Holy Spirit on the top because he has the biggest job. Uh, but there are also other ways that God works. The goal of discipleship is to make us progressively more and more like Jesus and to be able to do what Jesus could do. That's the goal of that. So here's how it happens. It happens through God's work on us supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that shapes us from the inside out. That's that heart surgery that he does. Uh, our work on us, so there's a part that we do as well, and that uh, can be spiritual practices, means of grace, spiritual disciplines, whatever terms you want to use for that, uh, that help us cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit to put us in a place where God can do his work in us. And life's work on us, so kind of the ordinary events of life and how that impacts us Sometimes that is uh, hard things, difficult things that we go through that shape us, depending on how we respond to those things. So they're all interacting together, and they're all essential. So we're going to talk about the first one first, the work of the Holy Spirit and his, uh, the ways that he moves us toward Jesus and uh, toward what Jesus would do. So in Paul's words, again, from Philippians 2, God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So Sheldon is going to share a little bit of his story, and I'm going to share briefly on mine. I've, I've shared some of this story before. Uh, there, there was a moment in my life where I really struggled with what I sensed was and had sensed for a long time was God's call on my life, where he was leading me. And I uh, knew that that really was what I was supposed to do, but fought against it, uh, felt my inadequacy, my weakness, um, you know, I, it was kind of like, that's nice, send somebody else. You know, that sounds familiar. Somebody said that in the Bible, right? And uh, so, but um, I did, in, in this one particular time, in a time of worship, I, I strongly felt, uh, sensed God's spirit at work. You know, there's that verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, which says, uh, uh, we, we know his spirit. His spirit is poured out upon us, or his love is poured out upon us by the Holy Spirit. And it was very much that experience of the love of God, very personal, very intimate, the love of God for me personally, 
uh, poured out in my life got me to the place where I uh, recognize that in myself I don't have the power to do what pleases him, to do what he's calling me to do, but God will give me. He reassured me in that moment, I'll give you the power that you need. I'll give you the ability that you need to do what you, I'm calling you to do. And he also did the work of his spirit in my life to say, uh, you know, I, I'll even give you the desire to do it because I was digging in my heels pretty seriously, stubborn as I tend to be. And uh, I, I said, he gave me a new desire, saying, you know, if you're going to equip me, if you're going to empower me, I'm willing to do it. So that, uh, as well, was the work of the Holy Spirit, both the desire and the power to do what pleases me. So that was kind of a, kind of the beginning of my journey in terms of calling to pastoral ministry. Well, that was a key moment in my life where I recognized those two things, that I needed the Spirit of God not only to empower me, but to give me even the willingness to do it. And so uh, that wasn't sort of a one-time deal <laughs> for me. The, over the years, I've had to go back because sometimes the desire wanes, you know, wanes, it goes up and down. And there are days where you say, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So God, by your spirit, would you put your desire in me? And there are often days where I say, I can't do it in myself. I know I can't do it. I need your spirit. Would you give me your power to do what you've called me to do? So that's over and over. That happens. You go back to God and you ask a fresh work of his Holy Spirit. And what I found is he always gives it. He always answers that prayer. He gives us the desire and the ability to do what he wants us to do. So that was kind of early in my sort of my pastoral career, if you if you want to call it that. Uh, Sheldon's going to tell us a story a little bit later on in his, his career. I'm going to follow up, uh, follow up the pastor's personal story. Mine doesn't go back that far. Well, it really does if I wanted to talk about those things. But I want to mention more what happened when I looked toward retirement. And I thank uh, Andrew or Duncan and the group this morning for this beautiful song, All My Life You Have Been Faithful. It just breaks me up. The Lord has been so faithful to my wife and I as we've endeavored to work in, in his service. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about my retirement. Uh, back in 2005, I began to think about what might do in retirement. I knew I didn't want to continue preaching and uh, visiting in the hospital regularly and going to boards and committees, etc., etc. I wanted something different, but I did want to work in God's vineyard in some field of ministry. And so I began to read books about retirement, talk to people who had already retired, and I thought they were quite successfully retired. And then I would uh, search the scriptures and pray. And so in a prayerful mood, I was searching the scriptures and came to some of the promises of God that I felt the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, take these promises, they're for you. And uh, here are some of them. In, in the Psalms, for instance, uh, the psalmist says, even into old age you will bear fruit and you will stay fresh and green. And he also says, um, I will fulfill my purpose for you and I will satisfy you with long life. Now, life is getting longer and longer. Much, lo much longer here. Uh, and then uh, a beautiful verse uh, in Psalm 103, uh, as we bless the Lord, then we realize how much he's blessed us. And he says, the psalmist says, and, and God will re renew your youth as the eagles. Well, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Uh, uh, probably not going to really be very useful, but somehow he keeps us going in the right, in the right direction. And so as I was uh, claiming these promises and going about my life, 
Uh, in May of 2006, we went to a wedding, and the young couple is here today. Uh, Howard and Chris were married in 2006, May. Uh, they just celebrated their anniversary, uh, and we were with them out in near, near Chase on the golf course. Uh, after the ceremony was over, I didn't have the ceremonies. Uh, the Pentecostal pastor did. It was a great service, and then we sat down to eat together, and the guy at my table, one of the guys said, Sheldon, what are you going to do when you retire, when you grow up? Well, I said, I haven't figured that all yet, out yet, but I am thinking about it. Uh, well, he said, why don't you come and work for me? Your boys work for me. Why don't you come and work for me? Well, I said, that's the best offer I've had today. Uh, I said, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it, and, but I need the summer off, I said to him, because I retired June 2006. I needed the summer off, I thought, at least. And so in September, sure enough, I started working for Barry. And a couple of things that Barry gave me that kind of expanded my horizons and challenged me, uh, because I find that challenge and getting in over my head is usually how I grow, uh, walking by faith, not by sight. Uh, he said, I want you to take over Operation Christmas Child and this uh, GEMS ministry at the thrift store. Build a team of people at the thrift store who will use the compactor I bought so we can send off... Uh, clothing to other, other parts of the world. So I worked developing a team for probably six years, and ten years I worked uh, overseeing Operation Christmas Child, and then dropped it. But along with that, Barry was putting me to work, learning to drive a huge forklift, and I said, I don't think old dogs can learn new tricks, Barry. Oh, yeah, he said, no problem. Uh, two years later, he said, well, didn't you learn new tricks? I said, yeah, but at your expense, because I ruined a few containers by that time. Well, at least two. Uh, uh, dropping them in, in, in a wintry, on a wintry day. But the thing that I, I, was so wonderful for me, I, I wanted to work in the marketplace a bit. Pastors get a bit sheltered. You know, it, 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 is, it is part of the job. You're so busy. And so I wanted to be in the marketplace. I wanted to learn about the business world, what goes on out there. And uh, I began to realize that God was opening doors. He was helping, giving young men to me to work beside me who had been on hard times in their lives, alcohol, drugs. Uh, and uh, I got to know them. And over mo the months as we worked together, they would share a bit of their story. And I could sow a few seeds here and there. And I was uh, just thankful to the Spirit for helping me to still be involved in ministry. And uh, so, so that uh, kind of has been my journey since uh, retirement. I've been retired 13 years uh, this month, actually. And uh, it's been a wonderful post-pastoral ministry journey. And I believe God has been helping me to grow, but i still got a long ways to go. And here's one story. Last summer, we were ripping carpet out of King's Christian. And we had a kind of a schedule to keep. And I was overseeing my grandson and two other guys. Uh, and I was pushing them fairly hard. I can get a bit that way sometimes. I don't know why I'm so driven, uh, but uh, I am at times. And my grandson was there, and we were ripping carpet out, and, and he, want, he walk, wanders off trying to find something with a motor or wheels on it. Uh, 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 Barry will identify. His son is like that. This is my grandson, who was, who was 13 then. And, and so I got a bit irritated, and I said, it's only 50 feet out to the trailer, Wyatt. Why don't you just pick this stuff up? You're strong enough, and take it out there. He just about burst into tears, and he said something that pierced my heart. He said, Papa, why are you so mean? <laughs> and so I learned quite a lot from that, actually. I began to uh, examine myself. Why am I so mean, so driven? And why, well, this is not that important a job, is it? People are more important. So I've, I've been learning uh, to learn from other people and, and uh, to give, open the door for the Spirit uh, to 
changed me from the inside out. And, and it's, it is, I'm very grateful uh, for that opportunity. The pastor then suggested that I move uh, quickly to the, uh, how we keep this fire burning and uh, our fruitfulness in the world. How do we work together with God, who gives us both the desire and the ability to do his will? He's doing his part. Well, what's our part? And we do have a part. And, we, and Wesley called, him, called it the means of grace. He says, God has the resources to pour into your heart and life more and more grace, even though you don't deserve it. But he loves you and cares for you and has a plan for your life, etc. Uh, and uh, so you, you, have, you have this idea of the means of grace. Today we call them spiritual disciplines, usually. Uh, spiritual disciplines. And I want to ta have us take a cue for our quiet time during the week from what we do in the worship service and from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, in Acts 2.42, after Pentecost, what did they do? Quite amazing what they did. Actually, they met together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Devoted themselves. I wonder if that's where Hybels got his term, the fully devoted disciple. Fully devoted disciples. They devoted themselves. And here on Sunday morning, we devote ourselves to certain, certain very practical and foundational spiritual disciplines. Uh, Peterson reminds us that there's at least 14 spiritual disciplines outside of the usual basic foundational spiritual disciplines. He said, use these other ones when you need them and as you desire, but never forget to use these other ones regularly. And so in worship service, what do we do? We sing our praises, don't we? We say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful. Thank you for your mercy, your greatness, your glory. Thank you for initiating this relationship with me, that to think that I child of hell could be uh, his son and be in relationship and communion with him. So we sing God's praises. That's a good way to bring in your quiet time, your devotional time, giving thanks to God, being grateful, joyful, understanding how much you have received from the Lord and how good he is and that he is with you. The second thing we do in our worship on Sunday morning is to voice our prayers. And I love how you folks pray. It's fairly new to me, actually, where uh, probably 6, 8, 10, 12 people will have brief prayers during our prayer time frequently on Sunday morning. I can hear Jim praying right now as he prayed a few times already about God changing us from one degree of glory to another uh, and flow praying prayers uh, and scripture to the Lord and how we bring our requests to the Lord and intercede for others here and around the world. Uh, we voice our prayers, and that's what we do uh, in our quiet time. In fact, quiet time is a fairly good term. I don't know where it came from. A quiet time where we take time to listen to the Lord. I am a very difficult time with that one. In retirement, I said, I'm going to try to uh, practice the presence of the Lord like Brother Lawrence did, uh, but it's very difficult for me. But to, in our quiet time to listen to the Lord, prayer is really attending to God, letting him speak to us first of all, and then making our requests known and interceding uh, for others. Now, when it comes to, to prayer, uh, I think uh, we're all novices in a way, uh, and we have much to learn. Bill Hybels wrote a book entitled, uh, Too Busy Not to Pray, and took his uh, uh, theme from Martin Luther. And he said, uh, 
something you could do is to carry a notebook around with you in your day, and when you go to the doctor's office, you pretend like you're writing a letter to somebody and you're really praying. Or if you go to Tim Hortons and you've got a little time yourself, take your notebook and write your prayers out. Now, when I was an early young Christian, you didn't really write prayers out. That was not spiritual. You have contemporaneous prayers, extemporaneous prayers. But I've learned to value the, the opportunity to write my prayers out and even to read the written prayers of other people as well. Uh, we voice our prayers, uh, and we bring uh, our lives before the Lord. Now, as a, as a retiree, uh, I have certain physical issues, as you all have. So at night, I'll wake up and almost can guarantee that I've got 45 minutes in the middle of the night where I can't sleep. And so God has been helping me to use the list that I make uh, of concerns and of people uh, in my quiet time to bring them to him in the middle of the night. And it's surprising how quickly one goes to sleep. But you have this sense of, you know, as, as this, you have the sense of being with God, the privilege in, in the middle of the night of being with the Lord and, and rehearsing some of the requests that you started the morning before. And, and so that is something we do. And we take our cue in many ways from what we do Sunday morning. Uh, also, we uh, meditate on Scripture. We do that on Sunday morning. We listen to the Scriptures read, listen to the pastor explaining it, uh, and we try to meditate. We try to chew the cut, as uh, someone has said meditation is, over and over again, and trying to internalize it into our lives so that the Scripture changes us. There's a beautiful song that I hope the worship team will sing one day uh, by Lynn DeShazzo. It's entitled Ancient Words. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. Let us come to the Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. There is an amazing ability of the scriptures to change us. Now, I go by the, the Five Corners Church frequently on my way to work. And they always have some neat kind of sign on their board there. And the most recent one uh, goes something like this. It says, a Bible that is falling apart probably belongs to someone who isn't. Someone who isn't falling apart. Probably, they say. Probably belongs because not necessarily is that true. Because unless we let the words transform us. You see... Reading the meditating part in the scripture is more about transformation than, than information and knowledge, as the pastor has always, always already suggested. Uh, so we meditate on the word. Transformation happens in our lives, uh, and that is a tremendous joy to us, meditating uh, on the scriptures for transformation. Now, I better stop there. I did bring my watch this morning. So it is... It is but also, just in conclusion, uh, to remember that we also, we also uh, share with one another on Sunday morning. It's pretty brief, uh, although we have five minutes before and five minutes during and five minutes afterwards. But I try to remind myself in my quiet time uh, that in church, in the body of believers, we do share together and that I should extend that during the week. So out of my, in my quiet time, I need to pray for God's people. And I need to find a friend during the week, a friend or two to talk to, uh, to uh, as iron sharpens iron, the book of Proverbs says, and to be accountable to one another. Uh, and so we, I want to just encourage us to take our cue from the Sunday morning worship service. 
And that's one of the reasons you come to church and what inspires your weekly devotion is what you do Sunday morning. These very practical things that are a part of who we are and how God changes us. And uh, I trust that uh, God will keep changing me uh, as I expose myself to his Holy Spirit and, and uh, the challenges of life around. I think that's enough, isn't it? Thank you, Sheldon. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that we could talk about in terms of means of grace or spiritual disciplines, and just touching really lightly on them. But and, and some of those means of grace or spiritual disciplines will connect with different people in different ways. So you need to find you know, what really uh, helps you to, to continue to follow Christ. So we talked about the first angle a little bit just in terms of testimony of how uh, God changes us by the Spirit, transforming us from the inside out. And, and those moments in our lives, sometimes they're dramatic, sometimes they're just quiet, where God speak to, speaks to us, whether it's through his word or through prayer or through other people or circumstances of life. God continues to speak and to work in our lives and, and to direct us, to guide our path uh, in him. And we, we also talked about, which uh, Sheldon touched on, uh, the, the ways that we, through spiritual disciplines, we work on ourselves. Uh, it's not that we're creating the, the growth, but God, by his spirit, gives us a desire, gives us the ability, and then these means of grace can be a great help in our lives. So I encourage you to continue in that. And then the third angle is that life just works on us. Life works on you and I. And the good stuff in life works on us, but uh, maybe even more the hard stuff, the challenges, the, the struggles, the pains, the losses, the, all of that kind of stuff can work in us to to shape us in one way or another to to help us to grow closer to christ or sometimes that you know we we drift away through some of those difficult points in life james uh talks about that in in the book of james the first chapter verses two and three this is a different translation here it says when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives my brothers don't resent them as intruders but welcome them as friends realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. And so when endurance and patience ha have their proper place in that ordinary stuff of life, he produces that growth, that maturity. We become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I think James obviously learned, James the brother of Jesus obviously learned what it meant to use those difficulties in life to cause growth. And uh, that challenge doesn't have to be rejected as an intruder but actually you can look at that and see what uh, God is trying to do there so one of the things that I've thought about this very helpful uh, Amelia just put up the circle if you wouldn't mind um, this is something that we use in our our leadership huddles it's a great tool to help uh, us process life and what life is trying to teach us and uh, I think sometimes for me anyway I think for most of us we're going along in life and something happens, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a small thing, but something happens, and we react to it. So whether, usually we can, we can see that something's going on. God's trying to get our attention by the emotions, right? That something, we respond to it. So whether we get sad about it, whether we're discouraged about it, angry, frustrated, whatever that response is, something's happened, big or small, that uh, it's kind of like a bump in the road. You know, we're going on this path, and we're determined, and, and all of a sudden something happens. And 
unfortunately, quite often is we just go, oh, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I'm just going to continue on. I'm pressing on with this, and we just move ahead. Uh, but the funny thing about life sometimes is we keep hitting the same bumps, or at least I do. Uh, keep running into the same barriers, the, the same obstacles in life, and responding every time the same way, and never learning what God wants to teach us through it. So one of the things that we're trying to do in our leadership huddles is to say, something happened. Did something happen in your life this week that caused a reaction in you? Would it be, why don't we stop for a few moments and let's think about what's going on here. So I'm going to observe this situation that happened this week and how I felt about it. I'm going to talk about it internally. I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to talk about it with a few close friends and we're going to reflect on it. We're going to ask some questions. So why did I react to that person, that, that instance, that occurrence the way I did? Why did I react that way? You ever ask that question? What is it trying to teach me about myself? What is it trying to teach me about what I, how I see God and how he's working in my life? Uh, you know, what is it trying to show me? Why did I react the way that I reacted? And sometimes we just need to step back and say, you know, maybe God is trying to show me something here about myself or about my faith in him. And, but often we don't take the time to do that. And the key part of this whole process is that we, the discuss part, where it says it's repent and believe. The discuss part on the bottom right part is there. Is that it's very helpful to process this together in community. Uh, and we're not real good at that, I don't think. Uh, we keep it to ourselves. I'll just get through this myself. But it's helpful to know that you've got a group of people who can say, this is what's going on. This is how I reacted. This is what I think God might be saying to me. What do you think? And then together in prayer and by the Spirit, you process that, process that together. And, and here's again, there's a line down the middle. Sometimes we stop there. Oh, we had a good discussion about that. I think I know what God's trying to tell me. Uh, and uh, end of story. But the next step is really important. So we don't, we're not just called to talk about it. We're called to act on what God is showing us. So that's where the plan and the account and that. So I'm going to say, here's what, when that happens again, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to say to you, because I'm sharing it with you, you can keep me accountable. You can ask me how it's going with that, and we're going to act on that. So it's a little tool that I think is quite helpful if you use it, and if you use it in uh, community with others, because God can do extraordinary things using very ordinary means, because he wants to change us. But we have to be committed to change. We have to cooperate with that. So that's the last point that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to give you one more tool. So there's that learning circle, we call it, uh, learning from life. I can unpack that a little bit more if you ever want to talk about it some more. There's another one, Amelia, uh, just that last one. We're going to talk about daily rituals. And uh, rituals, I think sometimes people think of rituals as kind of a bad word, right? Uh, you know, if you have rituals, it must be unspiritual or it's just kind of dead. But uh, you have rituals and I have rituals. And what I'm talking about is when you get up in the morning, I can almost guarantee there are certain things that you do almost every morning. Make the coffee. Some of you, that's the very first thing, or you have a timer, so that's ready. When you get to the kitchen, your cup of coffee is right there, ready for you. Uh, you know, you wash up, you go to the washroom, you have a shower, you eat your breakfast, you take the dog for a walk, you uh, watch the news, you go on the internet, you check your emails, you go on social media, whatever your daily rituals, we'll call them rituals, they're things that you likely do. If you have kids, you take care of the kids, you give them the breakfast, whatever you need to do at the stage of the ki your kids are at. 
you have rituals. I have rituals in the morning. I have rituals at night. And I don't like it when people mess up my rituals. Because there are certain things that I like to do in certain order that I like to do them. And it's just, you don't even think about it. Most of us don't even think about it. You don't have to schedule it in. But what I'd like you to do is to think about it. What are your daily rituals? And how long does it take you in the morning to get yourself out the door, ready to go to work or to school or whatever it is? What are the things that you do every morning or most every morning? And then you can, and how much time does it take? Um, I'm, I, I confessed my obsession with the raptors last week uh, and that it gets a little out of control. So sometimes I can get on the computer and I'm checking the scores and the videos and the reports of the last game, especially this time of year, this year, particular year, and it can take me 45 minutes before I know it. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? And so I have to go back and I have to say that one is a little out of control in my daily ritual. It's really not the most productive thing for my mental, spiritual, physical health. Uh, how can I change that ritual a little bit? So I want you, and I've got some sheets at the back. In the middle, there's a little table there. It's a daily ritual sheet for morning and evening. And you can put down, just observe what you do, how long it takes you generally, and say, is this really what I want? Is this really feeding my soul? Is this keeping me healthy? Is this, can I, can I adjust some things here? Can I uh, include a spiritual discipline in that daily ritual, morning or evening? It doesn't have to be hours, but can I include one of those in that ritual and try it? So that, that's my um, challenge for you if you're willing to try it. There's a few sheets at the back there. Um, and it's, it can be really simple. There's, I've got an example. This isn't mine. Here's this guy. Here's his morning ritual. He says he takes two minutes to drink a glass of water. That's the first thing he does. Then he takes five minutes to drink a cup of coffee. So they're not all super spiritual, right? It's just what he does. Then he takes 15 minutes to read his Bible. He takes 10 minutes to pray. He takes three minutes to review his goals for the day. And he takes 30 minutes to do some exercise. That's his morning ritual. Uh, at night, he brushes his teeth. Good thing to do. Five minutes. That's quite long. He takes a dog out for five minutes. He reads for 30 minutes. He discusses three wins with his spouse, three good things that happened that day for five minutes. And he prays with his spouse five minutes so that's his evening ritual it doesn't it's all different it's different for different people i'm not saying you have to do that or my ritual but i want you to be aware of what those rituals are and maybe tweak them if they need to and include spiritual disciplines in that so that is a very practical uh, application of what we've been talking about we could spend a lot more time on it but we're not going to we're going to pray and the worship team can lead us in a song and i guess we're receiving an offering forget that speaking of rituals so father thank you lord god for your goodness and for the ways that you work in our lives sometimes often through the ordinary stuff often through the challenging things too the the losses the pains the struggles uh the confusion whatever lord you desire even in the midst of those moments and days to work in and through us so by your spirit to change us so lord help us to cooperate with the work of your spirit help us to put ourselves in the place where your holy spirit can do what only you can do and uh, lord change us make us more like jesus we want to be fully devoted disciples of jesus so by your spirit do a new work in us for we pray it in jesus name amen I invite the ushers to receive our offering this morning <laughs>